1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary.
0: Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: This week on Barca Talk, Zidane says Real Madrid will not give Barcelona the guard of honor at the next Clasico, and FCB fired back at La Liga chief Javier Tebas. We're ramping up our effort to send a kid to FCB camp this summer with an update from our man in Houston. The women were off club duty this week and Barca B took another bad loss. The first team are off to a good start in the Champions League quarterfinal and the undefeated streak in La Liga has now matched the previous record. So let's talk. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Barca Talk. Brian Henderson here coming to you from Buffalo, New York. And joining me from Madrid, Spain, is your co-host, Gabriel Quiroga.
2: Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. How are we doing here in
1: Buffalo? In Buffalo, things are going crazy. The world is coming to an end. We It really looked like spring was here. And then we got this week of one day horrible wind, like the second worst wind I've ever experienced. And then snow freezing temperatures now today it's warming up i mean it's all hells breaking loose i don't know what's going on what's happening in madrid
2: well madrid where we we've had some wind too and they actually um in the retiro park the the main central park here in madrid they had to close it for a week because a tree fell in some major gusts of winds and killed a child unfortunately so oh, they no. had to yeah so they had to check the trees in retiro park but it's been raining we've had some sun and yesterday we talked briefly when we were talking to victor and you know I'm just not used to all this rain. I mean, usually here in Madrid where it's a little bit – it's cold, but it's still sunny. And everyone is is still – you can feel it in the city that people are still depressed right now. (laughs) So hopefully uh, sun's coming around the corner. I mean, I keep saying that. But uh, more importantly, Brian – I think I will be seeing sun this weekend because I'm headed to Barcelona.
1: Yeah, you are. And we are going to talk about that later on. Now, let's get into a couple of news and notes items. Uh, We have two today. The first one, we want to talk about this thing, uh, this dust up. So Zidane said that Real will not give Barca the guard of honor when they next play in May. And that's going to be match day 36. Uh, So Barcelona could very well have the league in hand by that time. And Zidane claims that Barcelona broke this tradition So it doesn't exist anymore. And he was referring to the Clásico last December, just after Real won the Club World Cup when Barcelona didn't give them an honor guard. But uh, in response, Guillermo Amor, former Dream Team player and current head of professional youth football, said, At this club, we usually perform a guard of honor when we participate in the tournament that the team wins.
2: I mean, it's so childish, you know, on both ends. You know, this is... Uh, I was just watching the sports show this afternoon, and it, this was the second item that they talked about.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, this is, how the, this is what the rivalry has come to, right?
2: <laughs> exactly. And it's, and it's so stupid because uh, for me, like I have here in the notes, it totally reminds me of the baseball unwritten rules. You know, in Major League Baseball, you have all these different unwritten rules about when you throw at someone and when you don't and when you get in a fight and all these things. But no one knows when. Right, and everyone has their opinion, and that's the same thing with this guard, right? So back in the Clásico with the Club World Cup, which is a new tournament, we've never, and they've never done the um, the honor guard there, right? But it's usually just for La Liga. I mean, that's usually what it's for, and we've done it, and they've done it to us. To me, it's just very bitter. It's super bitter and whatever. Right? To me, I think it's nonsense. If they do it, great. If they don't, I'm not really offended either way.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just, it is one of those like tiny extra things. It's, it's the sort of thing that, it can get us talking, and get the other media talking. Uh, but yeah, maybe at the end of the day, it's not that big a deal. And if it dies, it dies, right? Like, yeah. so what? Yeah. And the other thing too, last night after the match,
2: they asked PK about it. And of course, PK had the great response. He said, you know, he, he they asked him, you know, what do you think, uh, Zidane said, you know, they're not going to give you the honor guard. And he's like, uh, I won't sleep tonight <laughs> Obviously, in jest. Right. And again, it, PK is such a great quote, but you know, for me, I just want to kill not sorry, I don't I don't want to be so drastic that. I just want to beat them maybe a, a another manito or something like that. For me that I would like that better than if they just give us the honor guard and we win one nothing. I prefer, you know, a drubbing of some sort.
1: Yeah, yeah, just like a, a gold bonanza win or something like that. Yeah, I I would much rather have that than any honored guard.
2: Yeah. So again, it's just it's very I just, you know, as we just said, it's just nonsense. It's just a talking point. Obviously, Amor, when he was asked for the quote, it's you know, you know, it's just semantics. You know, we didn't part- participate because we didn't win the Champions League. They did, and we're not going to give them an honor guard. So, foo, foo, foo. You know, it's <laughs> like uh, come on, you
1: know. Right. Well, also, like like you were saying, the tradition is actually that it's it's for La Liga, and so and Barcelona weren't even in the Club World Cup, and that's what Amor was saying. So. Uh, whatever. Like whatever side you want to be on, you can, <laughs> you can, you can sort of. It's a Rorschach test, you know. It's an ink, ink blot. You can say or think whatever you you want about the situation. In the end, it's it's probably not that big a deal. But it is it is kind of fun to talk about. Definitely. And again, it's just I'm glad that Zidane set this precedent
2: now because then he will just die. Uh, before the Classico, you know, it's one less thing to talk about. If it was a week before, it would have been a huge deal, right? But now that it's done right now, a couple days in a week, especially with Champions League coming up this week, it'll just be buried in the the back pages.
1: Yeah, and I I think that maybe in the lead up to the Classico, someone will try and revive it, but it, it probably won't have a whole lot of traction. Now also, the club issued a response to... Javier Tebas remarks about applying article one fifty five in the event that the Spanish national anthem gets whistled at the Copa del Rey final, and this is in reference to the article in the Spanish Constitution that allowed Spain's Prime Minister Mariano Rajoy to remove the Catalan regional government last uh, September October. Now Tebas suggested that if the anthem is whistled in the Wanda at the Copa final on april twenty first that article one fifty five quote unquote should be applied, and the match should be called off and this week in the club's response, uh, FCB spokesman Jose Vivas said that Tebas' comments were unacceptable and inappropriate from someone who represents every club. He went on to insist that Tebas absolutely abstains from making comments like this which are not in reference to his competition nor do they help to generate a good atmosphere for the Copa del Rey final.
2: Yeah, I mean, we talked about this last week as well when he first talked about it. And again, it's something very unique here in Europe where politics definitely intertwines with sport, right? It doesn't really happen in the United States as often. But it, I totally agree with Vives' quote here because, you know, Tevez is not... I mean, he's always just speaking out like this against, you know, especially against Catalonia and so forth. If he's not talking about it, then most people won't even react to it, you know? It's just kind of... if If they don't hear this quote from Tebas and Barcelona doesn't have to respond and people aren't really going to whistle that much but now you escalate the situation right and so who knows what's going to happen at the Wanda right but to me it's such a just like the previous thing with the honor guard whistling during the anthem is such a minor thing to me you know it's it's you're showing your right that you're in protest and that's fine it's just a whistle as opposed to fighting or being more physical so for me Tebas is making this a bigger deal than it should be
1: yeah, well I I think you're right that he's baiting people and actually I th- I think he wants to try and incite more whistling so that he can use that as a as some kind of talking point or point of political leverage. But I I mean this is what we're dealing with here in the US regardless of whether you're a supporter or a detractor of the current US president. You know, it's the kind of thing that just comes off as really authoritarian. And, uh, you know, it's at least a little bit baiting. And whether you're for or against that, I think that that's what it is.
2: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, that's a great word you use, baiting, right? Because, again, if he doesn't make this comment, then we don't have to make this comment. And there's maybe slight whistling during the anthem, you know, and it just kind of goes away. And so, again, we saw the protesting during the Champions League match against Roma with all the flags and all the banners. So, again, you're just inciting more and more. Uh, more whistling, more action to happen when you keep, continue to make these comments. You know, so again, you have a good point there with the baiting, and so you know, again, Tebas is always speaking out. You know, he's a he's a firm Real Madrid supporter. He's, he's very conservative, and so he's always going to speak out like this because he thinks he's untouchable.
1: Yeah, that, and I mean, as far as I can tell, he's a prick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't basically. know the guy. I don't know yeah, him. Yeah, yeah i so no, I, don't, I, I don't claim to know personally what he's actually like in real life, but you know, just from what I can tell, he seems like a real asshole,
2: yeah yeah, definitely he he has the the vibe, right yeah that, so that you know,
1: yeah, I some people like that,
2: some people like assholes, yeah, that's cool, so great comments on that with the baiting and Tedos is an asshole, yeah, so I like that
1: that's that's the conclusion. <laughs> In our community segment today, we want to tell you more about this fundraising campaign we've got going to send at least one lucky kid to an FCB camp in Houston, Texas this summer. And we've partnered up with the Houston Coulets to handle the recruitment aspect of this. And joining us today is Victor Valenchek, the vice president of the Pena, to give us an update on how the recruiting effort is going. Welcome to the show, Victor. Thanks for being on.
0: Oh, it's good to be here.
1: Yeah. Now, so uh, about this, uh, who have you and your board reached out to in the soccer community to recruit players for this campaign?
0: Yeah, primarily I've been reaching out to my members um yeah, you know, we've got at this point about 130 members and trying to utilize their you know their connections throughout the greater houston soccer community and i've gotten some good responses back uh, i've gotten some good referrals that have gotten me in touch with um, you know leaders within specific uh football clubs that are uh, within the houston community that work with uh, either inner city youth uh um uh kids um i've gotten um responses from members who actually are themselves uh, involved directly with um, schools and are either coaching soccer uh, at public charter schools and so I'm getting some good responses and some other referrals just from you know friends that they know uh, that have uh, kids you know within that six to 14 year age range to kind of meet our ideal criteria here. And um, again, real happy with the, the responses. And again, if they're listening, thank you in advance for for reaching out and providing those referrals.
1: Yeah, that's awesome to hear that the response has been good. So we're we're already looking at a potential list of uh, you know x number of kids. Like, how many kids are we potentially looking at here?
0: Well. We are still at the point, uh, last week was the week that I was actually uh, calling and connecting with the referrers and um, talking to my members and finding out more about uh, who those kids are that they're referring, so I'm starting to get those names to come in right now, and so I'm going to give it another week here to to find out, you know, what kind of... uh, final responses that we're going to get. So again, if you're out there listening, please, and you have, uh, you know, youths in mind that you'd like to refer, please do respond to the email that I sent out there, members. Uh, But I think from a numbers perspective right now, I know I've got one email, I've got uh, where I've got two uh, dedicated uh, kids that uh, are are definitely you know going to be in the pool here. I've got another uh, gentleman I spoke to. He's supposed to be sending me a list of some folks, and I've got another two. So I've got to at least guaranteed at least four right now. Plus I'm still waiting on a couple more people to respond. So um, again, really happy to, to again get these uh, responses that i'm getting
1: yeah that's fantastic so uh yeah three to four kids right off the bat that already sounds great to me because you know uh, i think if the pool were incredibly large i would almost feel bad that we can only that we could hope you know hopefully if we reach our goal only send one but uh you know three or four like that's that's still good you know there's plenty of options for us assuming that we can can reach our goal Now, if we can reach our $500 goal, so it seems like there's definitely at least one kid, and that's our main goal is to get at least one kid to this camp. So if we can reach our goal and you have at least three or four uh, responses out there, Victor, how do you think we should go about selecting one of these kids?
0: You know, as we, again, I put this out there to multiple members. And again, I want to give everybody who's, uh, you know, responding and giving refers uh, a chance here to have their, you know, a uh, particular uh, kid get a chance to go. I really think a lottery is probably the best solution that we can come up with that's fair. And also, uh, again, for everybody out there listening, uh, if we raise, you know, and we go beyond 500, like uh, Brian's saying here, and we get to 1,000, we can send two kids potentially. And we, we raise 1,500, we can send three. So, I mean, the again, the idea is, Obviously, we want to have uh, enough kids there, to, um, and hopefully we have enough uh, money to to send multiple kids if we can afford to. So uh, I think just the lottery just makes the
1: most sense. Yeah, so uh, we have interest. We have people who have responded to this. Uh, now we just need to get the money coming in. So uh, everyone listening, whether you're in the Houston area or not, you know, if maybe you're one of our listeners who's just one of those lone Barca fans out there in the world, you know, send some money this way, help out this project, and you can know that you're still part of a larger community. And uh, again, we really appreciate all of your help, Victor, uh, doing the kind of boots on the ground work and uh, community engagement, uh, because like, for instance, myself here in Buffalo, New York, I feel very isolated as a Barca fan and doing this podcast and doing this project also helps me feel more connected with the whole community.
0: Oh, I feel the same way for, uh, you know, when we think about, you know, what our Pena uh, is all about. Yes, we're, you know, we're all about having a good time and getting together, but, you know, we want to do good community service out there. And, uh, again, we really appreciate, uh, you know, your platform here and partnership with us to, to allow us to be part of that as well and uh, continue those efforts to, um, for, for everyone. So everybody out there, please, you know, just maybe a couple bucks. And, again, we can uh, send some more kids. So looking forward to uh, how this program uh, and this initiative goes.
1: All right. Thanks for being on the show today, Victor. We really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. It was good to catch up with Victor and to hear that this project is getting some interest. We will keep you updated and tell you a little about the players and their families as we start to narrow down the possibilities from our recruitment pool. Uh, but until then, give to the fund so that they know that this is a real opportunity. A donation of just 5 to $10 will help give some, some kid an unforgettable experience. And we are in the process of recruiting, so don't think that it's going to go to waste. So go to Barsatalk.net, and there's a link to the GoFundMe right on the homepage there below the most recent episode. And if you have a question you want to hear us get into, drop us a line at Barsatalk.net or leave a message on the phone line 716-795-2853. Now, Barca B, uh, they lost to Cultural Leonesa on Saturday, dropping them further toward relegation. And actually, we're going to have a full discussion about that on Monday on our Patreon video. So to see that, become a Barca Talk supporter for three dollars a month. Just go to BarcaTalk.net/support to become a supporter and enjoy our bonus videos, extended interviews, and other fun stuff. And the Femini, they're going to be playing Betis on April 15th. That's the next thing we have to look forward to with the women. Uh, they're actually on international duty right now with the group stage of the World Cup qualifications on. So we'll catch up with them next week. But let's get into Champions League and everything regarding the first team. So a lot of interesting and fun uh, Champions League and surprising Champions League action uh, this last week. I want to run down the whole thing. So let's, let's start- do it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's start off with Bayern and Sevilla. So Bayern are now they're ahead two to one over Sevilla, the home team. Uh they gave up two away goals in the first leg, so that was Sevilla, of course. So I think I'm I'm saying this is probably it for Sevilla in the Champions League.
2: Yeah, definitely. And you know, for a minute there I thought Sevilla had a, a hope, a prayer because they were up one-nothing for a little bit. They were definitely frustrating uh Bayern for a little bit, but uh, Bayern were able to break through. You know Bayern are super tough. They just won their sixth Bundesliga in a row, which is crazy. I mean, that's you know obviously good for Bayern, but bad for the Bundesliga because the Bundesliga is basically kind of a recruiting uh, player ground for Bayern Munich, right? Because Bayern Munich just uh, gets all those players. Yeah, they but- just
1: snatch up every good player from all the clubs, right? Exactly. That's and it ultimately exactly isn't do. that competitive. Exactly. And, you know, they're kind of in the PSG realm,
2: right? So like PSG hadn't been tested all season in their league. And now when they get through Champions League, they're going to find more difficulty. And you don't have that experience from the season, right? Because this, I know they have, uh, they still have the core players of Robin, Lewandowski, and, and so forth. But again, when I was watching the highlights of the Sevilla match, they, they just don't look like they've been tested all season. So when you get tested, it's difficult to bounce back because you have no experience to, to to go to from the season. So I'm curious to see how the draw for the next one lines up, because if they get Real Madrid, it could be a very, very tough, tough, uh, tough matchup for them.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, and I think a similar thing happened with Juventus, right? Because you got a club that dominates in their domestic league like Juventus, uh, just like Bayern is, but then you get him into the European stage. And honestly, this last week, they imploded right in front of their home supporters eyes they gave up three goals and then Dybala got ejected all in the first leg and it looked to me like Juventus didn't even want to win but of course they're still winning Scudettos they've won six Scudettos in a row but you know they're just they don't get the kind of competition in Serie A that can prepare them for the Champions League really
2: this game was I think the most disappointing match for me because you know, obviously, as a Barca fan, I wanted Real Madrid to have a little bit of a trouble, you know, just I would like to see Juventus get a little bit of revenge from the Champions League final from last year. Yeah. And leading up to that match in all the newspapers, you know, like we did on the Patreon video, you know, they had Buffon talking, you know, we were so focused for this, you know, this matchup. We'd want to get embarrassed again. And they got more embarrassed. Than yeah. last time, Right. I mean, especially at home, you know, I have here Dabala, like this guy, he had to really show up for this match. Him, D- uh, Douglas Costa, and Iguain. Uh, I was so upset with their first touch in this match. It was like their first time playing in the rain. <laughs> they, every time they got the ball, they just mishandled the ball. They had no threat going forward. And, again, how do you leave Ronaldo open on the first goal like that? I mean, he is always dangerous in the box. He's still the you know, top three goal scorers in the world. And, again, obviously the second goal, the Chilena, was magic. I mean, what can you say? That was just an amazing goal. He beat Buffon the way he went backwards and so forth. But overall, if you're a Juventus fan in the Champions League, what do you, you know, what do you say about that performance?
1: Yeah, I mean it's so disappointing. You know, actually I have a little story. So uh I was in a, a meeting with a professor a few days ago, so it was after this match, and he was saying, Did you did you see that uh that goal that Ronaldo scored? And I, and I feel like he doesn't fully understand what I'm about because <laughs> Right. It's not his fault. You know, he knows that I have this podcast. He knows that I like soccer. Right. He doesn't apparently understand that I'm a Barcelona supporter. And like, yeah, I'll admit that that was a great goal. Right. Those what what are they called? Well, in Spanish, it's called the Chilena. But obviously in English, you can call it a bicycle kick as well. Right. I mean, but it just sounds cooler when you call it a Chilena. So I want to do that. So, yes, like the Chilena was very impressive and he is a great footballer. There's no obviously there's no doubt about that. Uh it's just that he's uh not as great as Leo Messi is all. I mean he's he, he has a couple of things on him, he's better in the air. Actually that's about it. Right? But yeah. anyway, yeah, my professor was like, Gee, Yeah, it was a great goal. I'm like, Yeah. I was I was being like, I was being quiet, like, yeah, yeah, it was a good yeah, he's a good player. It's it was a good goal. Let it go. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing, and you, and I told you how everyone was
2: flipping out here about the goal, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, especially on the sports show, they had all the commentating. and I know I'm biased because, like we just said, you know, you and I are both Barca fans, that's why we do this podcast. But again, this goal could have been avoided with better defense in the beginning of the of the whole exchange, and that's that's the thing is they just looked so unfocused, and their tactics were horrible for Juventus. I was. All my students, you know how I tell you, all my students are Real Madrid fans. And so I was like, oh, be careful, Juventus. They're looking really well, you know? Yeah. And, you know, the first minute I said, oh my God, these kids are going to come at me really strong tomorrow. And sure enough, they did.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's it's a bummer because the manager for Juventus, Allegri, I I think he's a, I think he's a great manager, um, but I do also think that this is probably going to be it for him this year. Yeah, I
2: definitely agree. And the other thing too is that, you know for whatever real madrid has done this year with the league for whatever reason their core players love this tournament more than anything and they just step up their game i mean you can just see the progression from each month advancing through the champions league they this for them this is the most important and it just you can just see they they are a favorite to win now and they are scared they're playing really well uh, especially since they put asensio and lucas on the wings and so in the clasico and if we have to play them in the champions league it's going to be nerve wracking for sure.
1: Yeah, it's going to be insane. Now, the big shocker for me this week actually was uh, Manchester City. Now, you actually called this. Uh, you had predicted that Liverpool and you know Klopp could beat Manchester City because they already know them. They've played them in their domestic league, so they already had you know some inside information. Klopp had a way to try and you know uh, tear apart Pep's tactics, and sure enough, it worked. Uh, Liverpool won three nothing. So that's three goals that Manchester City are down, which for them I don't think is definitive, but it is it is quite a deficit.
2: Yeah, you know, I thought this was going to be super difficult because when you play a team as often as they do in the league and they know each other very well, it's super difficult to break through. And, you know, I could see this because I know our experience with Pep, right? And with all the beautiful football that Pep gave us with the possession and stuff, I would say one of our biggest downfalls in why we didn't win more champions leagues or more Liga was our defense and the tactics that he always was so stubborn to always play everything from the back. Right. If you think of the big games we lost, it's those tactics that came back to haunt us and he did not change. He just was like, just be better passing from the back and we'll be fine. Instead of just saying, okay, let's relieve some pressure. So Klopp knew that going into this match and he just pressed those wings. They got a lot of turnovers. And again, that's why when, when I was watching this match and I also watched the Manchester Derby yesterday, I know our style right now is not the most beautiful, but our defense has been tested throughout the season that when we have to win ugly, I trust our team more than Manchester city. Yeah. And so, you know, that's the thing that, you know, Liverpool just has to score one goal and they're through. And that's an easier prospect for them than Manchester city scoring three.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Again, I do think that it's still possible if they can, if they can get it together, if they can pass better from the back, <laughs> because that's all it is, right?
2: Yeah, but the thing is, I you know when I was watching the Manchester Derby yesterday, uh, Man City went up two nothing, and they looked like they were going to be up five nothing at halftime. They lack that killer instinct with this team, and their defense, when tested, when ultimately tested, especially in the second half they're not physical enough, right? They're just they they're lacking something. I don't know if it's physicality or you know, I don't know what it is, but because Manchester United scored and Man City could not come back and Pep tried to bring in De Bruyne and Aguero and they still couldn't do anything. So wow. it's it's not a good for not a good week for them to not be
1: playing well, right? Yeah, man, I was really hoping I was honestly hoping for kind of a Barcelona Man City uh matchup somewhere in the Champions League cuz for me that would be like it would be like Barca v Barca, right? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, what can you
2: say about Liverpool's Salah? I mean, that guy is on fire. He continues to produce goals. He I you know, I didn't I'm not sure if he played this weekend cuz he got hurt in the Man City Champions League game, but we'll see again. I'm going to bet that Liverpool can score one goal just based on Man City pressing so much. And if they get that away goal, we know how valuable that is.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, finally, of course, Barca are up 4-1 over Roma, getting a pretty decisive first-round lead in the Camp Nou, mostly thanks to Ongol, one of Barcelona's top scorers this season. Ongol has actually uh, he's scored as many goals as Polly and two more than Paco with eight. Uh, so this could potentially lead to three Clásicos in less than two weeks. The semifinals will be played in late April, early May and the Classico and the league will be on May 6th. How do you, how do you feel about that? I'm scared. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And excited at the same time. It's, you know, it's a both feelings, you know, like we've, we've kind of talked about this in the last weeks. Would you rather have the champions league final be a classical or the semifinal? And I think for me, I would rather have the semifinal because at least If you make a mistake in one match, you still have a chance, right? But, man, you know, it's going to be tough, whoever it is, because it's going to be Bayern, Real Madrid, and then probably Liverpool. And so, obviously, I would probably prefer Liverpool going forward. But, again, this match against Roma, you know, yeah, the the own goal got two goals in here. But we were pressing them pretty well that we were going to score, I think, four goals anyway. So, um, for me, it was a a great overall result because we are basically classified going forward
1: yeah absolutely so let's get into that match in detail now for starters we had a great lineup of course Ter in goal I was very happy and surprised to see Semedo in the back four so we had Semedo, PK, Umtiti and Alba and then the midfield another happy surprise for me we had Busquets coming back from injury Rakitic, Iniesta and Sergi Roberto and then up top Messi and Suarez
2: yeah when the lineup came up I tweeted at you because I knew you were going to be super excited to see your boy Sergio Roberto in midfield but clearly was- you did didn't
1: want me to actually read it because you tweeted at me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> True. I mean, I I, I think I also WhatsApped you. So oh, okay, yeah, I, think, I, think, <laughs> I can't remember, but but uh, I knew you were going to be super excited because you know we we wanted this lineup for a long time. Having Tomato back there with Sergio Roberto in mid, mid, midfield, um, helping with possession, giving a little bit more balance. And so going forward, you know, every, everyone else on Twitter, too, were very excited to see this lineup. So, um, But unfortunately, I think from the beginning, um, it took Sergio Roberto just a little bit of time to get used to that midfield role because I guess he just didn't put a major thumbprint in the match until later. So just getting used to that role and obviously the combination with Semedo.
1: Yeah, and I think that the the combination with Semedo was, yeah, a little awkward at first. You know, it was kind of like, not that they haven't done this before, but it was kind of like you, you, they were on a second date after having a long period of time uh, after the first so it was still kind of like getting to know each other again but yeah as the game as the game warmed up and developed they their relationship i think uh, grew stronger like like a good marriage <laughs> i I like that
2: comparison after a long second day a long hiatus yeah have
1: you ever done Uh, that where like you had a first date and then they're like oh i'm going on a business trip i'll be gone for like three weeks i'm like all right call me when you get back i guess
2: (laughs) yeah yeah and then you it takes a while to get back into the routine of things yeah definitely (laughs) i I think that's a great analogy yeah uh because you know Samato was trying to go up and a bunch of times sergio roberto was in his way and then he had to retract back and but then they finally kind of figured that out and you know, both of them definitely had better games in the second half for sure.
1: Yeah. Now, the 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 first goal was for us uh, and it was credited to De Rossi as an own goal. Again, we had two two own goals in this one. But that play, uh, 38th minute play had such great movement to it. Rakitic passed to Messi just as Iniesta was running into the gap between them. And then Messi just touches it in for Iniesta to run on it. And Iniesta was looking to get it back to Messi, but DeRossi got his foot to it and redirected it into goal. And if he hadn't, I mean, there's obviously Messi would have put that away. It would have been an easy, easy tap in.
2: Yeah, definitely. And the thing is, you know, we put so much pressure on them, right? Because of our movement inside small spaces, Um had to. Make a play, right? Because he was just lunging. But unfortunately for him, he made an amazing shot. So that went into the goal and beat his own goalkeeper. But again, in those moments, right? In those moments in the box where we have tight spaces you know we're the best in the world at that at creating that space knowing what we're going to do and to be able to have a attacking a clear attacking opportunity like you said if uh, Durasci doesn't get that Messi was going to get onto that and most likely was going to
1: convert yeah and then the second own goal this was in the second half 55th minute again this is credited to Manolas as an own goal but Umtiti took the opportunity to point at the badge on his jersey and that actually kind of started a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, media interest uh, because of course Uh, there has been all this talk about Umtiti's future at barcelona and his contract his wage his release clause all that sort of thing but let's just talk about the play for a second even if it was an own goal you know it wasn't just some goof right pk and suarez were both saying after the match that those own goals kind of like you were just saying they came out of the pressure that they were creating and it's true raketic made a killer cross and manolas had to do really everything he could to just get a foot on it so and again if he hadn't i think umtiti would have put it away i mean the you know when makitsic made the cross umtiti hit it it just hit the post went
2: back off Manolo's back into the goal so it was like a ping 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 kind of play right so um umtiti was unlucky to hit the post but manolas is you know unfortunate for him he just was in the wrong place at the wrong time and it hit off him and went back into the goal so you know i have um, to
1: i have to differ with you because yeah, okay. i've watched the replay many times an embarrassing number of times, actually. And and I I really believe that it's Manolas's foot that, that hits it onto the post, and then it bounces back off of him again into the goal. So it's like the Zabrudo film for you. Right, you right. It, it was bit. from back <laughs> and to the left. Yes, <laughs>
2: back and to the left. I love it. Um, so if you've seen him, I've only seen it a couple of times and when I was watching it live, right? So uh, I'll trust your opinion on this. But again, the other thing too, like you said, Um kissing the badge, uh, taking full responsibility for the goal, like a like a true goal
1: scorer that he is. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he probably wasn't gonna have many opportunities to do that. <laughs> Correct. And yeah. so do do we want to take any time to read into this at all? I mean, apparently he said, you know, no. he wanted to show no. that he loves the club.
2: Yeah, I mean, like we talked about in the last episode, that, you know, all this contract talk is just this is what it is, you know, this is the the weekly grind of professional sports. This happens in every sport. Um, When a player is outperforming his contract, he looks to get paid because uh, presumably they have a short window, a short career. So they try to get the maximum amount of money. And so I'm, I'm perfectly confident that Barcelona is going to take care of him because they know how important he is. And this is just uh, him showing support, you know, that he loves the club.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, this is, this is just business. This is just how it, how it goes. Like I, you know, I don't have a problem with, how anything is going at this point on that on that front. But anyway, back into this game. 59th minute, PK gets a goal. So, we got two goals more or less from central defenders, which is pretty cool. The ball from Messi, it was incredible and uh, in- also incredible that PK initially got out of the way of it to let it run for Suarez. But he was there for the easy tap in when Becker blocked Suarez's initial shot. And I also think it showed a good presence of mind that PK uh, made sure to take that one extra step back to make sure he was onside.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is this match is a very typical Val Green type of match, right? We we had the majority possession, but it wasn't by much. Right. And there was a lot of back and forth. And when we get into that back and forth, it definitely favors us because we are so lethal on the counter with Messi and Suarez up there. And so in this play, especially with Messi's passing and the, you know, PK getting out of the way and just being at the right place, you know, we put so much pressure on Roma in these specific moments and then we actually convert. It's just, it's so disheartening if you're a Roma fan, which my friend Gio is. And so uh, he, he was very upset, but at the same time, he knew they were going to lose. But um, again, it's just the constant pressure that we put on them, especially on these counters. And when we have this free flowing attacking, right. As opposed to um, before with the, the, you know, and let's say uh, Luis Enrique's offense or attacking, we were going side to side and barely taking any risks.
1: Yeah. Now, moving forward in the game uh Pauli came in in the 66th minute to replace Busquets and of course I was very happy to see Busquets in the starting 11 uh presumably his toe having you know been recovered Val Green later said that Sergio asked to be taken off uh because of an aggravation to his toe injury and then later he was not in the uh the weekend match in La Liga uh he trained alone on Sunday but uh, apparently the the news is that he will be on the squad for Roma. I mean, do we really need him for Roma? This is the question. You <laughs> Maybe know, no, not. I'm serious.
2: I mean, the thing is, we have a 4-1 to lead. We've seen over the weekend we were able to get a good victory against Leganes. I know Roma is a, a, obviously a step above Leganes, but the, at the same time, we have a nice luxury of the 4-1. to Let's use Pauly and Rakitic as a double pivot to have, if we want to be more defensive. And if we score that one-away goal, we're basically through with no problem, and we get to save Sergio Busquets to
1: rest up even further. I think that's that would be a good plan. He is apparently going to be on the squad. Uh, of course, we don't know if he's going to start or not. Now, in the 78th minute, I want to give it up for Ter Stegen. Uh, he made some saves in this game, but um, this was before Roma had scored. Uh, this is a particular save that was quite notable. Ter Stegen was getting pressured in the box with the ball at his feet, and his pass out to MTT was... Intercepted by El Sharawi, he tried to get his hand on the floated ball in, but he couldn't, and he had to rush back, and he did, in fact, save the shot by Defrel. Not only that, but he held onto it, or he didn't He didn't deflect it so far out. He didn't give up a corner kick. He managed to gate possession of the ball on that.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, the one thing I would say about Ter Stegen sometimes is he, he sometimes does play a little uh, loose, you know, you know, he kind of little, um, little maverick to, action, a little maverick. A little He flies a little close to the sun, yeah. you know, sometimes, <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> if, if you could say that's one thing that he could improve on, right. Because, you know, we've seen a couple of years ago when I think it was against Roma too, where he uh, got scored on from half field, you know, so sometimes these things happen, but he's so gifted and he's so quick with his reactions that he can get away with a lot of that. But like on this play, like you said, he tried to go up, and then he's – it's almost like a goalkeeper's drill, right? Jumping up, running forward, backwards, sliding, saving. And, and again, the most impressive thing is he didn't give the corner kick, right? So, um, again, he had some really great saves in this match. And, you know, when we play this type of defense, when we're giving the other team opportunities – it's almost as we're daring them to score because we know they're not good enough to convert because of our defense, our physicality. And also we have Ter Stegen back there because, and you know, Roma had quite a number of shots in the match. It just seemed they had like a lot of uh, attacking plays, especially since we were going back and forth. I mean, they had a total of 12 shots, you know? So that's, that's, you know, that's more than you want to have, but at the same time, half of those shots were blocked or really unrealistic shots.
1: Yeah, and how many of them were were on target? That's that's the other thing,
2: right? So Ter Stegen, if that's my only one complaint, sometimes that I I wish he's he's too confident with his passing sometimes and too confident with his reactions, and so he kind of plays a little loose like that. But yeah, again. Uh, We were already up three, nothing. You can, you can kind of get away in that type of match of a three, nothing match. I mean, it's perfectly natural for that to happen on social media. People were, you know, they're like, Oh, we need to win four, nothing. And then when they scored the goal, everyone, everyone's like, you know, come on, we can't let Roma score on us. Yes. Good point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, you know, the thing is when we're up three, nothing, we can kind of put it on cruise control Mm -hmm. and especially our defense. We don't have to be as focused, as we were in the first half, right? And so that's what that's essentially what happened. And when we when they scored the three one, we were able to get another goal back. And also Val Green went to more physical presence, putting back Pauly and your boy andres gomes <laughs> which he had the most amazing
1: twitter graphic of all time well, let's talk about that in a second so so when dzeko scored the goal in the 80th minute you know he was our player to watch going into this and he finally delivered and i do i do wish that umtiti had blocked the pass for dzeko he was the only one who was really in position to do that from what i could see uh but uh, he didn't and uh Jako just got in on goal, put it away. It was, you know, it was a good run, good pass. He's, you know, a solid, solid enough striker that it was, it was a nice angle and he got it. Yeah. Also, he basically posted up Jordi Alba behind him as well because I think if it was a
2: closer match, I think Jordi Alba makes a tackle or fights harder to get around Jako because Jako was in between Umtiti and Alba basically. But again, when you're up three nothing, you kind of you're, you're playing a little bit more lax. You don't want to get injured. You don't make that last effort. And so that's essentially what happened. And he was able to convert. So,
1: yeah. Okay. Sad. Now let's talk about probably the decisive moment of the game in the 87th minute. Andre Gomes comes on for Sergio Roberto.
2: Yes. And when this happened, I was, did not like this because <laughs> I was very happy with, well, I just wanted Sergio Roberto to keep playing in the midfield. I know. You know I, I know. Me too. I think, you know, taking the est off, you know, and you know, use that, but I, I just think Sergio Roberto is, you know, much younger. He can he can withstand, you know, the long minutes, especially the season, and just take out Iniesta if you want to ins- insert Andres Gomez. But, um, you know, we I got I saw this tweet, and basically it's from the FC Barcelona website. <laughs>
1: Well, someone someone thing. made a meme out of it, but yeah, the the, yeah. the image is initially from the uh, FCB website where they're uh, tracking all of the uh, all of the action player. within a game, minute by minute, right, by player by player.
2: Yeah, so FC Barcelona on their website for the statistics, you can track each player's movement during the game, and obviously, Andres Gomes came with what the last ten minutes of the match, and so he what maybe five minutes. Yeah, was it, like you know? five, five minutes, right? And on the graphic, it just has. know the field and then it has how many passes he made which was two Two. yes and only
1: one was successful so there's a green arrow for the successful pass and a red arrow for the unsuccessful pass that is that was his contribution to that game
2: that was his contribution and I know okay yes we've talked about his problems and and how he is having a bit of a difficult time at, at the uh at Barcelona but at the same time like He has to make a little bit more of a contribution. And I know Val Green trusts him for more defense and physicality, but still, I mean, two passes and he's playing in the middle. It's just – it's just oh my god. I love this tweet graphic so much. Yeah. I want to like frame it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it 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 does expose a lot of uh, interesting information for sure. Now and actually we're uh, we're going to get a chance to talk about Gomes in a little bit more detail if we want when we're uh, reviewing the Leganés match because he actually started in that match. But just to finish off this Roma game, um, in the 87th minute Suarez uh scored his first goal in Europe this year and The cross in from Dennis was off a defender first and Suarez came in for the shot off the bounce. Yeah, it was
2: a clinical poacher's goal, right? Like he just happened to react faster than the defense and he was able to put it past the keeper. When I was watching the game, they were commenting about how Suarez hadn't scored in Europe and right on cue he scored. So it's uh, really good for him to get off of that. So hopefully, you know, going forward, he'll be able to get on a roll in the future European matches.
1: Yeah, and I don't think the defender was even prepared for that ball to come at him and he wasn't even looking to clear it. it. It literally just bounced off his foot and teed it up perfectly for Suarez. Yeah, and he was, you know, again, he was just prepared and ready and just hit it. You know, he kind of lunged at it and just was able to get
2: a clean hit on it and it went past the keeper. And so, yeah. So game said, Guillermo. Yeah,
1: there it was. So you have a man of the match for this. Who was it? I do. And
2: uh, obviously, I would, you know, Messi had the best game, I think. But if I had to pick someone, I I always like having Semedo on defense. I think he just shores us up in that corner. His speed is just such a nice luxury to have. You know he's not going to be beaten
1: on a long ball by anybody you know maybe usain bolt is the only one right Right. Right. so until some some club signs usain bolt we're safe exactly um he did have
2: a couple things on the where it was a close penalty that could have been called uh where he was on a one-on-one with Jekyll in the box i think Jekyll was looking for the penalty so that's why it wasn't given but again um when he's playing there i think it gives pkmtt more ability to stay in the center. They don't have to worry about Semedo not able to recover and cover those spaces. So I think overall just makes our defense a little bit stronger with him there. Obviously, the only thing he's really lacking is just better chemistry Playing with the midfield and pinging it around. But yeah, well, that just comes with more time. Exactly. And also just understanding the system, right? Because a lot of times he could go forward and a lot of times he's always looking to pass and he could just shoot. I remember, you know, uh, in this match, he had a time where he beat a defender one on one after, you know, going through the box and then he looked to pass instead of just taking a shot on goal. So again, he's still young. He's got a bright future, but I just love his speed. It's, I mean, again like we talked you just can't teach speed and it's such a nice luxury to have so uh what do you what do you think of his performance
1: i thought it was great yeah and again i was really happy to see him getting the start uh, i thought that was very encouraging sure you know maybe chelsea in the previous round was a more uh, intimidating opponent than roma but still he's getting a start in the champions league in the quarterfinal that's got to give him a confidence boost and s- same for for sergey actually getting a start in the midfield in the Champions League quarterfinal, uh, that's got to have a, it's got to have a, a positive effect on his, uh, his psyche moving forward. But as far as Soweto goes, yeah, it's not just his speed, but he is, he's quite the scrapper, and he's not bad on the ball. So of course, as he plays more and more, we're gonna see him develop that chemistry with the midfield and the forward play and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, defensively, his ability to track back with his speed, his ability to you know, get in your face, uh get his feet in your feet, and to just get that ball off of you he's he's very tenacious in that in that respect, so defensively I feel like he's getting more and more solid and reliable
2: yeah definitely And like you said like he's scrappy and I love that to have that in defender that's scrappy fast and you know doesn't take shit basically from other from other forwards you know I, it gives us a nice physicality that we weren't used to with Danny Alves right because when you think of Danny Alves I don't think physicality or speed I just think of you know world-class passing and shooting and just really having really great chemistry with the forwards. So going forward, like you said, just with more playing time, he's just going to get more comfortable.
1: Yeah. Now, Danny Elvis, he can, he can definitely make a tackle, but he doesn't exactly have the speed or the scrappiness. Correct. <laughs> so you agree. Yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah, but that, yeah, that was the other thing. My man of the match actually was, um, was own goal because ah. i mean number
2: 99 own goal
1: he scored two right i mean <laughs> <laughs> he had a 9.6 rating on the who com he was very successful yeah again you know the uh we've gotten so many own goals this season that it, that it it's uh it equals the number of goals that uh that Pauli has scored third highest goal scorer for barcelona his own goal so i'm gonna have to go with that um of course for anyone who knew who's listening uh obviously messi was very important in this match. But when we choose our men of the match, we exclude Messi because he's, he's kind of a given, right? We assume that he's going to be the man of the match. So we like to pick out other people. And I think, honestly, Samedo was the best choice to make. So I, I made my little novelty pick of own goal. Remember how we were talking on previous episodes
2: about what number or name I would get? I think I'll get own goal number. Yeah, number
1: number 10 and just put own goal <laughs> on the back. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, let's shift over to La Liga and let's start actually with a preview of next week. We're going to be going to well, you're going to be going to Barcelona for the Valencia match. So we're going to be playing Valencia. Let's talk first about what you're going to be doing in Barcelona.
2: Yeah, so in Barcelona I'm going to be, you know, visiting friends. Obviously, I think I'm going to try to go to the museum again because I just love going to it and seeing Uh, all the history and the videos obviously and then we're going to do a live show at a pub Um, we're going to do our we're going to do our recording there and so if anyone's in the Barcelona area next Saturday April 14th at 7 p.m local time I'm going to be at the George Payne pub I've been there before it's a good pub it's it's centrally located and uh, it's very close to the Las Ramblas area so um, and we'll be doing the recording there so it'll be obviously they all have uh, booze there and obviously they'll be showing some other games at that time as well so it you know we'll probably be there for a couple hours so if you're in the Barcelona area come and join us
1: now is that going to be during before or after the Valencia match it'll be after okay uh, they changed that they changed the match to four fifteen time
2: which is great and so we'll just head over there and we'll just record uh, the show from
1: there awesome so if anyone any of our listeners are going to be in Barcelona feel free to drop on by the George Payne pub uh, after the match certainly and uh, say hi to Gabriel and so let's talk about the actual match that's coming R- i feel like rodrigo is the man to look out for definitely right? definitely i mean we we've we talked about it, i think
2: 3 episodes ago when they were on international break rodrigo's having a fantastic season for valencia scoring uh, a lot of goals for them and also Like we said, he's going to get a call-up for the first time in the World Cup squad most likely, and he'll most likely start um, just because of his runner form and the way he can play with the midfield. Again, he's really dangerous paired up with Parejo and Gonzalo Guedes. They're looking really strong. Again, they're going to be a tough matchup, but I definitely think that we should be able to pull off the victory, and especially depending on what Val Green does in Roma with his lineup we could see a B squad against Valencia.
1: Yeah, but potentially. And then, of course, that, that could, not that it's important, not that it's a big deal, but if he starts kind of a B squad, that could jeopardize the potential breaking of the the record that they have now tied in the league for, for undefeated. Yeah, I mean, they
2: could, right? But at the same time, Val Green's responsibility is to the overall team health right and trying to win so the trophies exactly but obviously I get it. <laughs> we've we've gotten this far right let's just get one more victory
1: <laughs> or even a draw just a draw because that's what happened in the last match we we were looking solid we were looking good um uh, and then we got a draw now this match is going to be in the comp new whereas the last one was at the mestaya so we should have a little bit of a home field advantage there
2: definitely but the other thing too as we've talked about the 4 15 kick time on saturday oh god that's a little bit. Man. That's a little bit worrying for me, but at the same time, I think since we're playing on Tuesday at Roma, we'll have enough uh, rest in there, and I think we should be able to, like I said, get the victory. I think we're going to step up our game, especially since Valencia is a really good team. So um, I, I could definitely see this a one nothing 2-1 type of victory uh, against Valencia.
1: Yeah, no, I could see that happening. Now, uh, we're going to have a full La Liga review, including talking about the Madrid Derby on our Monday Patreon video. And again, if you want to see that, become a supporter of Barca Talk for $3 a month. Go to net slash support and get access to that bonus material. So let's get into this Leganes match that happened, you know, because... We were just talking about this. They have extended the undefeated streak in the league to 38 games, matching the record held since 1980 by Real Sociedad. But this record is actually, I was reading an article about this the other day, it's actually better in some ways than Real's because in 7980, Real won 22 games and drew 16 in their streak. Barca have only drawn seven. So not only are they on the cusp of breaking that record, they've already matched it with a better win to draw ratio.
2: I mean, I still just can't get over this season because at the beginning
1: of this season, we were the Titanic, you know? Uh, Yeah. We were sinking. We were like, Oh, we don't know what's, what this year is going to be like. We just lost Neymar. We're, we're, this is going to be a bad year. I mean, if you listen to our first couple
2: shows together, you know, we were, you know, with the board, with our free agents, with the coach, with our style, we were just, we were freaking out. We were freaking. Oh, yeah, everybody was. We were freaking the F out, right? And now now it's, you know, like last night I'm watching the match with some friends and we're just kind of talking about it. And it's just incredible that, you know, Val Green is able to come in this season. What he's done with our defense, and I know it's not the prettiest football that you've ever seen, but you cannot argue with the results. And that, to me, ultimately, is just super incredible that he was able to install this. And again, it's, it's just crazy. 38 games. I mean, they end this sports show today. They were asking fans outside the camp, no, who was the last team we lost to? Can you remember the last team we lost to? And people just couldn't remember. People were just like, oh, I can't remember. I can't remember. And obviously, it was Real Madrid in the, in the Supercopa. So it's just crazy.
1: To oh, that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. But obviously, the last La Liga game was last year. You know,
1: it's crazy. Well, no, we lost to Espanyol in the in the Copa del Rey recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying in La Liga. But Super Cup isn't La Liga. No, it's not. Uh-huh. Uh, true. <laughs> it was Malaga last year. Yeah, exactly. See? So, again, just... <laughs> That's a cool argument to have. Yeah, so, again, who, it's... Who was the last team we lost to? I don't know. I think it was these. No, I think it was these. <laughs> there you go, right? So, the last teams we've lost to,
2: Espanyol and the Copa del Rey. Um, Supercopa, Real Madrid, and La Liga, uh, Malaga. That's that's insane, but they so long ago, you know, and we've been having a really great run of wins and draws, and like you said, with this ratio, it's incredible, especially, you know, as we've seen, or we talked about the Man City, how they've been dominating the Premier League, and then all of a sudden you just get in this really bad run for three games and you're out of Champions League. It's, it's insane.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, probably they'll be out of Champions League. It's not, it's not in stone yet, but it's, uh, yeah, the... They're warming it up. They're warming up the chisel. Yeah, you know, it also reminds me of what we were saying about Val Green when he first came in and when we were first kicking off this season's uh, shows. We were just talking about how, you know, he just has to come in here and, you know, do his job and survive, right? That's what Val Green has to do. He just has to survive. He's here for – I think he signed a three-year contract. He's here for three years, and he's just got to – you know, do his job and, and try and get by without uh, without doing anything horrible. And I think he's proven himself to be a, an intelligent tactician, an intelligent squad manager for the most part. He's good with the players. He's good at managing the players. And I think he actually has all the qualities to actually ultimately become one of the best managers ever. Definitely.
2: And the thing too, you know, for me, you know, as we talked about in the last game against Roma, Their formation was a 4-4-2, right? And in this match, as I'm seeing here, it's a 4-2-3-1 that they're saying it was. Um, And obviously, you have something different on your notes as well. So, again, it's providing so much flexibility depending on who we have healthy. And he's experimented with this at the beginning of the season that now – when we have some injuries or someone's fatigued, he can change the lineup and we don't skip a beat. And to me, that has been the most impressive because, yeah, I know as you know, this is the whole, uh, not I wouldn't say controversy, but the arguing point with Val Green is the style is not what we're used to with the four three three, the possession, the tiki-taka. But again, we've allowed the fewest goals as a Barca team ever which is insane, you know? And that, to me, because we're never going to have a problem scoring and going forward, it's always if we can hold the other team from not having as many opportunities and scoring goals.
1: Right. Now, in this 3-1 win, uh, we saw a lineup that we really have not even seen before. Of Ter Stegen in goal, Semedo, PK, Vermalen, Sergi Roberto, and then Rakitic, Gomes, Coutinho... Messi, Dembele, Suarez, and we just have not even seen a lineup like this all season. To me, it looked more like a 3-4-3 than a 4-3-3. Without Dina, you know, he's injured, and Alba, not in the starting 11. I was wondering where Sergi would be, but he was at left back.
2: Imagine I give you this lineup back in September. What would you have said? Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, <laughs> you would have said, first would have been like Vermalens starting, and then it would have been Gomes, and then... What's what's what formation are they in? And that's, I mean, this is incredible because like you said, Sergi on the left, right? Um, I really like this formation for two reasons. It gives us balance on both wings with Coutinho and Dembele. If if I let's say Val Green said, yes, it is a 4-2-3-1, right? Because it's still kind of for debate. Like you say, it's it could have been a three, four, three if we wanted to, right? So with the four, two, three, one, where Messi's in the middle and he has complete flexibility to go anywhere, but we still have Suarez, Coutinho and Debele pressuring all three areas of that. And so for me, I like that a lot. I think for me that one of the biggest things against Roma was that, you know, when we're in the 4-4-2, we don't have anyone occupying or helping Suarez as a point man. You know, obviously Messi can be free. But again, as we've seen this whole year, Messi is such a great playmaker, uh, setting other teammates he has to play in the middle, but we need to have that kind of balance on the right side as well.
1: Yeah, and of, of course, the uh, whenever they're playing the stand the, a more standard 4-4-2 where it really looks like a 4-4-2, uh, one of those two is Messi, so that's not really a 4-4-2 in the conventional sense. It's uh, we, We've sometimes called it a, a 4-4-M1, right? So yeah. Suarez is just, he's on the point at the top of the pyramid, but he's all by himself. He doesn't have as much uh, direct support because Messi is just going to, Messi do as Messi do, right? He's going to go wherever he's going to go. Exactly. and But it plays to every player's strengths, right? If you look,
2: Dembele's on the right wing and he has flexibility to go up and down. Coutinho, the same. Suarez holding up the, the attacking up top. Um, Gomes and Rakitic not asking them to run too much in the attack and really focusing on de- defense. And so these are the things as a manager that you just want. You're just trying to put your players in the best position possible to succeed. And more in and more out, Val Green's been able to do that all year. And so, again, Sergio Roberto on left back. That's just crazy to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And also, of course, the the story for this was hat trick for Messi. So uh, the big story that we can run down out of this game is each one of these three goals i think it's it tells a beautiful narrative all by itself so the first one 27th minute Messi on the free kick and in the lead up to it i was watching this on bn ray hudson was saying it wasn't a great angle it was a little too acute and the distance was too far and just as he's saying this Messi steps up and he placed it like luke skywalker blowing up the death star and then afterwards ray hudson is saying that free kick more dangerous than a sunlamp to an albino (laughs)
2: that that's an amazing quote right you know because oh my god an albino like how does he think of that like really
1: (laughs) i think his whole job is to just think of these these metaphors
2: well it was a great metaphor because um actually i was watching the match but i was ready to go meet at a bar to watch the match and messi places the ball and i said as a fellow lefty i think any of those angles you just as a lefty you just love because you can just swing it And hit it. So I stood and just waited and I said, I have a good feeling about this one. And sure enough, he just whipped it around. And to me, it's amazing because I was thinking about this earlier today. In my whole playing career, I think I've scored maybe two or three quality free kicks. Like where I said, okay, I'm going to put it over the wall and swing it and so forth. And I've had maybe 20 to 30 close goals, like where they went too high or too wide, right? Okay. In my whole career, like my whole career. And Messi scored seven free kicks this year. Like, yeah. Are you kidding me? Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, he equaled the club record for free kick scoring in a season, which was set by Ronaldinho in the uh, 06 07 campaign. So, this was Messi's seventh successful free kick this year and his sixth in La Liga. One of them was in the Champions League. That's, I mean, that's amazing. I don't know if he has
2: put more emphasis on practicing the free kick in that. Maybe he said to himself last year, these are just free opportunities for me to score. Right. So I'm going to take advantage of just focusing on being more accurate because in his warm up, he went three for three on free kicks and they were upper 90, Brian. I mean, they like, they, like Ter Stegen didn't even look. He just, he's just like, <laughs> <laughs> was like goal. Right. And they had Coutinho and Suarez practicing and they were awful compared to him, you know, like, and those are world-class players. And I don't know if Messi has just taken that other step where he's, you know, obviously the facet has been more playmaking lately. And now on top of that, being the most dangerous free kicker, he could be of all time now. I mean, who, I mean, that's the thing, right? He is like, I was looking at the list of other free kick takers that have scored this season and they're all tied with two.
1: Well, I mean, if I figure if you're Leo Messi and you're, you know, if you're driven the way that he's clearly driven and motivated and you're thinking to yourself, how can I improve my game with, with what I have now? Right. Because he's, he just turned 30. So like he's, he's not as explosively fast as he used to be. He can still totally get you with his change of speed, but he doesn't have the explosive speed that he did five, six years ago. Right. Um, but with what he does have, you know, if you're thinking, how can I improve my game? I think, yeah, turning to free kicks is totally the way to do it because what is he going to make his touch any better? Is that possible?
2: Exactly. And especially when it's lined up because he's putting so much pressure on the defense, they have to foul him. And now he gets maybe two or three opportunities a game where he has a clear, unabided, you know, shot on goal. And he, if anything, he's either coming close or scoring, which is incredible to me because you just think of all the other free kick takers. And they have never been on a run like this before, obviously, except for Ronaldinho. But that's, you know, that's been, what, 10
1: years. So it's, it's crazy. a long time, yeah. Yeah, and also, yeah, the fact that he knows that so many teams are going to just foul him and take him down and give him the free kick rather than let him do what he wants to do and probably what he does best. You know, he, he clearly likes to move, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But but once he saw that opportunity, he's like, Well, okay, if I if I become more of a threat on a free kick, maybe they'll think twice about fouling me. Exactly. That's a good point because
2: usually before you could say, Okay, we're just gonna foul him. It'll stop the pace of play. We'll get a breather. And more than likely he's not gonna be able to score as often as he would be if he's just free-flowing through the game, right? And now he's putting that double pressure now. So it's almost okay, now if we foul outside the box. he's, you know, it's almost a 30% chance that he could score. And all of a sudden, it kind of, as a defender now, you just, you you don't know if you're going to slide or not slide, or man, it's just, it's crazy. It's it's crazy how much pressure he puts on you as a defender.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into the second goal, which was not that much later. It was about five minutes later on the 32nd minute. And Coutinho's playmaking on this, for me, really stood out. It was a, a really perfect pass for Messi. And Messi's, touches on receiving the pass were so sweet it was like he had glue on his boots i mean it's it's the kind of thing that unless you you really know like if you're a casual observer like uh my professor who was talking about ronaldo's bicycle kick you know you might not understand just how how much skill was involved in messi's receiving of the ball his touches were just so sweet and then and then he puts it away no problem really again and in this highlight I
2: mean for me Messi has the best first touch I've ever seen in a footballer. Be- hands down. Hands down, right? Like whenever he wants to control the ball, he does it. And anyone that's played or still plays knows how difficult it is to receive a hard ball and to not have it spray on you. I mean that obviously <laughs> that's that's the difference between amateur players and professional players is having a higher percentage of first touch control, right? Yeah. And And
1: just taking all the gas out of
2: it. Exactly. And as we talked about the Juve Real Madrid game, the front three for Juve's first touch was the complete opposite of what Messi had shown in this game. If those players just showed better first touch, who knows what could have happened in that match. But Messi, for me, in this goal, like obviously, like you said, Coutinho, for me, for me now, he is found his role he's he's gliding he looks to shoot he's making great one-on-one plays every game he's been playing now he's improved with his playmaking and his chemistry and again Messi's touch and finish again it's just it's clinical it's clear I mean you just again as when I used to play the last thing you think of is you know you're 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 going so fast and you want to just get a shot on goal but Messi is like he he's he's a He knows geometry so well that he knows it's so difficult for the goalie to go down to ground because that's where most of his goals are. And the way he's just able to get enough on the ball just to beat the keeper. I mean, it wasn't a clean shot. It wasn't the hardest shot. It was just perfectly placed and Messi beat the keeper.
1: Yeah, and then there was... The Leganés goal. This was in the 68th minute uh, from Elzar, and they just got us. They got us on a on a total defensive breakdown, and it was a good hit from Elzar. Nothing, to, you know, not to discount hit. I mean, I think it was a great hit on his part, but we just we just shit the bed. Yeah, we did. And the thing that led up to it was PK's
2: tackle. He he basically tackled, missed, and since he was down to ground, it left us a man behind in the whole just kind of chaos of the play. But again, just a good finish by Ozar. He had no one in front of him, and he just clinically finished. You know, again, this happens. You know, we were we were already up 2 nothing. just like as we mentioned in the Roma match. When you're up like this, you can kind of just daydream a little bit and lose focus and concentration, and Leganus were able to capitalize on that opportunity. But to me, watching the match, I was not worried at all. I mean, I just – yeah, I, I thought still we were so much in control – um, especially with Coutinho and Dembele up there, I just, I just thought that okay, we got a goal, they got a goal, we're still going to win this match.
1: Yeah, I felt the same way. But then in the 81st minute, I was a little surprised by this because Valgreen decided to put Iniesta in for Coutinho. Now I thought, like you were just saying, I thought Coutinho was having a really great game, and we know he can't play in the Champions League, so I don't really, I don't really understand taking Coutinho out.
2: I mean, again, it's just managing minutes. You know, it's, it's about also just. Getting Iniesta's creamy hamstrings warmed up, right? Like you don't, you don't want (laughs) you don't you don't want him season up on you. Exactly, you don't want him to not have so much playing time, or not to not have playing time, right? So, to me, it's just all about managing the minutes. And obviously, there's a reason for it for him. Continue again, like we we talked about. I think he had a great match. It could be a little frustrating for him because he's just used to playing every match uh, for Liverpool, for example, and here. He's been sprinkled in, and he can't play in Champions League. Oh, which reminds me, I I don't know if we mentioned this. They changed the Champions League rule for next season. Oh, really? That if you sign a player mid season, they can play. It Doesn't matter how. You have four. You have four spots available. Up to four spots that you can bring a player mid season, It doesn't matter if they played for uh, another team during the Champions League run. They can play for you. So uh, going forward, that's that's really good, I think, because you know, if you make the the transfer, who cares if they played for another team? You know, to me, it's. It's fine.
1: Yeah, I agree, but uh, I'm interested in the fact that they made that rule change. Uh we should get into that m- in more detail next week, I think. Uh but let me move forward and get into the third goal, the 87th minute, a uh, realization of the hat trick for Messi. Again, Dembele was the setup man, holding it up brilliantly, playing it back to Rakitic, and the pass in for Messi was perfect from Rakitaki. And Messi's balance, his timing, his touch, everything was, I mean, he was absolutely on his game today.
2: And partially hurt, you know? I mean, he's been nursing a hamstring this whole time. And so he's not at 100%. And yeah, his first touch on this and the way he reacts to the ball, again, as we've mentioned before, it's just, it's Matrix style where he can just think two heads, you know, two moves ahead. And the way he was able to just flick the ball past the keeper. It's just, you know, for me, that's what makes him a genius because for me, I would have not done that. I would probably just try to get around the keeper, for example. And right. um, like, for example, today on Twitter, I saw there was a perfect image of the goal where the keeper has his hands up. The ball's going past him and <laughs> and it has uh, messy and it just says, um, you know, it's like a meme and it says "Messi is me. And that it has it has <laughs> it has the keeper as my life and the ball's goals, right? So it's just like <laughs> like this whole thing how Messi just transcends everything. It makes he just makes it look so simple that when you're watching the match, for example, when I watched that third goal, I was just it, it just seems so obvious that he should flick it, but you know, playing.
1: I would have never tried to flick it. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, no, it's, it's very simple. You just you, – you put the ball where the goalkeeper isn't. Yeah, and it's, it's – Yeah, a, easy, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's
2: <laughs> You know, I, when I was watching at the bar with everyone, everyone just groans, you know, because it's just – it's like one of those things where uh, – especially in that third goal where you knew he was on the, the cusp of the hat trick – you know, he makes that play and everyone just goes, are you kidding me? Like that just happened. You know, like, yeah, (laughs) again, everyone always says on Twitter, you just have to appreciate this time. It's really hard to, because every week he continues to produce at such a high level that you just expect it. And it's, you know, we're in this moment, we're watching this, you know, the greatest player I've ever seen. And it just continues. He just continues to amaze me because he always does new things. And it's just, it's, it's incredible. I just, I get so much joy watching him every week and every time it's just I love it so much.
1: I know and this match was you know I have a whole thing about this like it occurred to me just as the game was winding down or you know about to end that each one of those three goals showed a different aspect of his greatness, right? The first showed his incredible free kick skills and he's always been a pretty good free kicker, but like we were saying, you know this season he's he's just really stepped up his free kick game. And then the second showed off his, his footwork, his touch, his dribbling skills. And the third, you also saw his footwork and his dribbling and his touch. But there was also balance and dexterity involved in that third goal. Uh, but again, of course, since Ronaldo scored with a bicycle kick midweek, that's the highlight from this week that uh, so many people are going to remember. But I think I think we're going to remember this game for how it, it showed in one match just all of his greatness
2: definitely and also on the third goal you can just also see the how fast he is with thinking and just the genius you know the pure genius of the flick you know because again most players with the goalie coming out are going to flick high or get it blocked and he was able to just just to move it around the keeper just like nothing it's just incredible to me
1: I think he might control the ball with his mind. <laughs> that might be the answer. Yeah, he's a mind freak. <laughs> <laughs> so that's 40 hat-tricks now for him. Yeah, exactly. 40 hat-tricks
2: and, you know, again, in, in his th- career. In his career and he just keeps wow. adding those things. I always think of, you know, these hat-tricks. I think for me the mo- one of the most impressive was in Champions League, but when he does these ones in La Liga, they're just they seem so ho hum sometimes because again, it was against Leganés. But like I read somewhere, it's just another Saturday night at Camp No with Messi doing brilliant things. And that's just, it's just, it's it's another Saturday, you know?
1: Another day at the office for him, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. I saw, um, for example, Francesc from the other Barcelona podcast, they tweeted a great photo of Messi um, lining up the kick with the video.
1: And I just tweeted at it as like, not bad for a Saturday night, a hat trick, you know? (laughs) Yeah, we're blessed, blessed and lucky. But anyway, uh, just to finish this out, who was your man of the match? My
2: man of the match was Coutinho. I think overall just his scoring, uh, looking to score the way he was playing, his chemistry, his pass to Messi for the second goal. I think overall for me, he was the man of the match. Now, like we talked about, I wish he would have completed the match. I think Uh, It would have been nice, but again, for me, he was one of the most dangerous players out there. So uh, what did you think overall? I mean, I know you you thought he had one of the, better performances of the night
1: oh absolutely and i for me i was actually debating between cooter and dembele for man of the match other than Messi, because both of them actually were consistently creating danger with speed with invention they both had great positioning great possession wonderful passing i think coutinho really arrived in this match i think that you know of course we've seen his potential we've seen flashes of his potential sort of like being realized but i feel like in this match uh, we saw a little bit more of it. He's starting to get more comfortable, more dialed in to what the team is doing, to the system, and what he can do within that. And But I also felt the same about Dembele. I think he's coming up really, really well. He's developing so nicely. Um, now, at the same time, I was happy to see Denny's come on for him uh, late in the game because I do – I don't know. For some reason, I think it's because – Because he has uh, associations with La Masia, we think of him as like one of our homegrown players, even though he got to the club a little bit later in his career, mainly coming from Man City. But um, I have an interest in in – Denny suarez developing and i think that lately we've been seeing he's been getting more playing time which is nice but also uh i think his performances have been have been starting to stand out more so i was happy to see that but yeah for me it really came down to dembele and cooter
2: yeah i think it's another good selection i think especially um in the last couple matches dembele just gained more confidence especially when he scored that goal um against Chelsea, I think that really escalated him to, you know, to have more confidence and to really trust um, what is going on with the system and the tactics. So I think overall he had a great match, but yeah. So I think Coutinho and Dembele are definitely on their way. So next season we're going to have the full season
1: with them. So get excited. (laughs) Yeah. The future looks good at the moment. Barca Talk is written by Gabriel Quiroga and myself, Brian Henderson. The show is edited by Brian Henderson and the music is also by Brian Henderson. Gabriel Quiroga is our promotion and social media manager, which means this is a two-man show. Go ahead and be a part of it. Give us your comments, questions, topics you'd like us to discuss. Visit BarcaTalk.net and find the contact page or one of our social media channels. And if you want to support the show, click on the support tab at BarcaTalk.net to do that. Remember to subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word about Barca Talk. Until next week, I'm Brian Henderson. I'm Gabriel Quiroga. And this is Barca Talk. Thanks for listening. Visca Barca! Visca Barca!
2: Sports Social Podcast Network